Doug Chabot talks about adventures with the late, great Alex Lowe and his ongoing work with the Gallatin National Forest Avalanche Center. So my name is Doug Chabot, and I'm the director of the Gallatin National Forest Avalanche Center here in Bozeman, Montana. And I've been forecasting since uh, 1995 is when I started part-time, and I became full-time in 2000, in 2000 when I became the director. Um, and like a lot of people, I started the career uh, just backcountry skiing and climbing was my big entry level into kind of the alpine world. Uh, and then I got a job ski patrolling at Bridger Bowl. And that was the real kind of gateway to a career in the snow and the winters. And it fit with living in Bozeman. Um, but I, uh, you know, I mean, I moved to Bozeman to ice climb. That was one of the big draws here. Even today, it's just one of the very few places in North America that's got reliable ice um, every winter. And uh, and then I knew Alex Lowe. I knew who he was um, well before he we had ever met um and then a mutual friend said oh you guys need to go together you need to you need to get climbing and i'll introduce you so in around i think it was like 1993 um i got introduced to alex and we hit it off and climbed a bunch up in uh up up highlight and then we'd rock climb a little bit in the spring summers we'd both kind of head on off on adventures uh, and then we ended up doing a couple trips uh expeditions together to alaska so i was incredibly fortunate to have a mentor like him in my life i definitely attribute a decent climbing career to him because he he, I, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from him that I was not going to get probably from anyone else. Man, he was manic energy. It was insane. Actually, you know, he, it was it was awesome. Like, you know, you had a you, you definitely had to be ready to you know kind of play ball. Like, you know, like when you land on the glacier, you know, you're not just going to hang out in the tent and you know, it's like you're going for a ski. If it's a storm day, you're digging a hole in the snow and setting up a pull-up bar so you could like do pull-ups below ground, you know, on the glacier. Or, you know, if you're stuck in a tent, you're having, you know, wasabi eating contests or, you know, there's, there's always, there's always something happening. Um, although he was a voracious reader, you know, he'd, he'd, he'd read a lot. He's like a shark, you know, you couldn't, he, didn't sleep, you know, I mean, he wasn't, he was always in motion, you know, he always needed to be kind of doing something and he was really good at it. And he was one of the first people I ever met that actually trained to climb. I mean, he went to the oh, gym, yeah. he, he, he trained so he could be a, a really good climber. foundations haven't changed you know people get caught in avalanches for all the same reasons you know which is they're going out into avalanche terrain right immediately after a, a storm when there's buried weak layers and you know they trigger slides and then we see fatalities happening because either people um we had more than one person on a slope at the same time so now there's multiple people caught or uh they have rescue gear and they don't know how to use it um or they didn't bring rescue gear. So a lot of the a lot of the foundational things that we still teach are are the same problems, you know, keep resurfacing year after year after year. Now the differences are the tools that we have as forecasters and that in these classes that recreationists can take, those are way different. Like we've got so much better stability tests in order to measure if snow is unstable. 
there's been so many studies done explaining how snow fractures that that's really changed over the years uh that it's a real initiation of propagation happening between the the slab and the weak layer it, it's sort of common knowledge now but even you know eight years ago or so it wasn't necessarily the case so you know there's been some real advancements in that and then when we look at like what some of the computer modeling that can happen with everything from weather forecasting to snow the databases that we have now with uh, snow properties that people can look at and tease out uh, information is it's absolutely unbelievable and in the field like we're not working on it here but there's there's people working on everything from artificial intelligence you know with uh for highways where they can look at you know when weather thresholds hit certain parameters it can send automatic text messages to forecasters to drones uh, measuring snow depth you know and starting zones so it's it's there's a lot of momentum right now and i think in the next 10 years we're going to see a lot of change you know as a user you those fundamentals don't change and and that's when we look at why people die, like why do people get caught in avalanches and why do they die? Most of the time, if it's that, it's the fundamentals. It's not that they misidentified the type of weak layer or they didn't take the temperature of the snowpack or, you know, it's, it's, it's not minutia. It's not the, the, the fine tuning. It's the, the basics. Like, what were you doing? Three of you skiing at the same time in an avalanche path or, oh, you didn't know how to actually do a rescue or you didn't have a partner. Like we're seeing more and more of that where people are going out skiing solo, which I totally get. I mean, you know, your people are busy. They've got families. They, you know, want to get out when they can and they're alone. And, you know, it's which is awesome, but it carries added risk. And so because if anything goes wrong, you don't have anyone to help you out. Um, so yeah, so those are just kind of those foundational things that we can never forget about. You know, you would, you would automatically think that, oh, the beginners, you know, they're, they're high probability that they're going to get in the trouble. But when we look at, um, accidents, um, yes, of course, beginners get in the trouble, but, but beginners also, what they've got going for them without knowing it is they're beginners. And so just the act of getting into avalanche terrain can be kind of tough if they're touring in, you know, um, because they're still trying to figure out how the skins work and, you know, how it just how the whole package kind of comes together. But with decision making, yeah, I mean, there's there's obviously the more experience you have, the better off you're going to be, the better decisions you're going to make. But decisions are all based on information. And so where people get in the trouble, either whether you're a beginner or you're, you've been backcountry skiing for 30 years, if you don't take in good, relevant, new information to make your decision, you're hamstrung. You're going to make a decision that might work. I mean, there's a big difference between something that might work versus a good decision because we can get away with a lot. And so an example would be, someone that maybe skis the same run regularly, pretty religiously, they believe that they have an intimate knowledge with that slope, which they do. They have more knowledge than anyone else about that slope, but the snowpack can change really quickly. We can bury you. You miss a couple days because you were working or doing something else. And well, now there's a buried weak layer that you weren't aware of. And because you don't, 
maybe dig a snow pit, which gives us a lot of valuable information, you're going to miss that, you know, and it might come back to haunt you. So it's a matter of just getting the information. And that's, you know, our job at the Avalanche Center is to give people relevant information where our job is to help you make better decisions. I mean, that's, that's our intent and our goal. Our jobs are predominantly focused on, uh, you know, what's happening around here in Southwest Montana, but nationally, I mean, we are, we at this avalanche center are always talking to other avalanche centers. And then we know there is a national avalanche center kind of overseeing and orchestrating, you know, some of the, the bigger picture things um, with guidance and research, you know, so there's always sharing going on, but pretty much our day-to-day -day work has to do with what's happening right here. What is really neat here in Bozeman is we have Montana State University and we have a lot of smart people floating around and we also have some incredible ski patrols and guide services. So we have a lot of snow professionals in this community. You know, when we look at some of the research being done, it's pretty cutting edge around here uh, and that forces us to stay on top of it and we, we definitely benefit from that. So for here, you would go to our website, which is mtavalanche.com. That's our website. And, and what I recommend people do is just immediately sign up, subscribe to our daily avalanche advisories. Because once it starts snowing, every morning by 7.30, you're going to get an email from us telling you what's happening. We're going to tell you what the weather did in the last 24 hours. We're also going to tell you what's happening with the snowpack. Were there avalanches? Did we bury a new weak layer? We're field-based, meaning we base our forecasts on going in the field. So we've got firsthand knowledge of what's happening. And every afternoon after our field days, we make a video and we post that that evening or the late that afternoon. So if you're planning on going skiing the next day, you at least can get a head start. You can at least watch our video, even if it's not the exact spot where you're going and just see like, well, what happened today? You know, are they, is this is a weak layer out there I need to be worried about? Like, what did they find in their tests? And then in the morning, if you read our advisory, we'll compile all the observations from the other forecasters, from the public, from the ski areas, and then we'll craft that into a narrative that you could read in about three minutes minutes or so and look at the photos and watch a video and walk away with some relevant, memorable, good information so you can make a good, decent decision that day. It's certainly interesting as a career or as a professional. It is always changing and there is so much we don't know, which, you know, I think that certainly is a, surely is a recreationist. I mean, when we go outside, I mean, there's a bit of adventure involved. I mean, that's part of the appeal, you know, besides the skiing, you know, at least for me, like I do enjoy the adventurous part of, you know, everything from route finding to being up high to getting, you know, have the wind blow in the face and you're getting cold and you know a little bit of suffering and and then you get to ski and you know it's a full package thing and and yeah i think people are you know they definitely gravitate to that especially around bozeman like we've or i should say southwest montana like people move here to experience that and uh and so we just want them to do it you know we don't want to discourage them we want them to do it safely So there's a few things you can do. First off is sign up for one of our avalanche classes. They're basically free. You know, we don't charge. We've got some field-based classes. It's, you know, we work with our friends at the Avalanche Center, um, which is kind of the nonprofit partner that 
teaches for us. If you go to the website, that's kind of the portal for all your information that you're going to want. So if someone is brand new, the first thing I do is subscribe to the Avalanche Advisor because even now we're putting out little blurbs through, you know, even though we're not doing it every single day yet. We also have on the website um, some videos folks can watch. And then we have an education calendar. Like we are offering many free online one-hour awareness classes. And that's a great way to start because when you start, besides having the gear, like we're, like in my mind, the, the entry, you know, if you're going to do this, the kind of the price for entry is, you know, a beacon, a shovel and a probe. You know, we certainly recommend have a helmet, especially early season because the snowpack's so thin or an airbag pack. But those, you know, beacon, shovel and a probe, that's basic no matter where you go in the world, in the backcountry. And then you need to start getting educated on how to use it. And there's a lot of online courses that are very easy to find. We have some. And then just start practicing. And the next thing is being able to identify avalanche terrain. Because if you're if you want to be safe, the safest thing you can do is to just not go an avalanche train. And there's plenty of good skiing you can have w- without getting on steep slopes. But it's hard to, at the start, it's hard to know, is this slope 25 degrees or is it 35 degrees? And it's just hard to eyeball that unless you have a lot of practice. And there's a big difference between a 25 degree slope and a 35. 35 will slide and kill you, 25 won't. So it's kind of key to know, you know, where those breakover points are. And so classes can help you do that And then you can learn just about some basic snowpack things, such as, you know, what does a layered snowpack look like? You know, what does a weak layer look like? You know, and and if it's something that interests you, you take a level one, which is like a multi-day course. You can take a level two. You know, there's a lot of options. But for the beginners and the people that are new this year to it, get the rescue gear, practice with it, take an avalanche class. Those are the, that is, you will not go wrong you know, with that and start with the free online ones, you know, it's kind of a continuum from, you know, everything from like touring on the flats to like where you're summiting a peak and you're going to ski off it. And, you know, around here we have it all. And so the people that are actually getting into big terrain, you know, stuff where consequences are high, where a bad decision is going to kill you. The people that gravitate towards that are definitely you know, fit because you, A, you got to be able to get in there. They're going to have specialty gear. They're typically expert skiers. A lot of them come from a ski resort background or certainly, you know, they've spent a lot of time on skis. And, you know, our job is to, you know, make sure they have the information so they can make those decisions. But, you know, the higher up in the Alpine we get, the more kind of risk we take. It just means that our, our wiggle room for error just gets thinner, which I get. I mean, that's part of the excitement too, is, you know, we, you know, when we gravitate to whether it's big climbs, big skis, a big descent in a boat, you know, I mean, you're, you're bringing in those guardrails of, you know, of what you could, or I should say the guardrails go away, you know, and you're, you're kind of more on your own and, uh, and it's super crucial that you have the skill to assess the slope before you dive into it. And I think that's where people can get into trouble because uh, instead of, you know, in this more what we call extreme terrain or really serious terrain is a small pocket, something maybe 20 feet wide, insignificant, completely insignificant down low, 
um, suddenly if anything goes wrong on that piece of snow, like it avalanches on you, it can push you over a cliff. It can beat you up really bad. And so those are the things that we, that that's where the seriousness comes in. It's just, you know, the scale can get really small as to anything going wrong on a tiny level can have huge consequences. I think in general, the progression of the sport is, uh, I think just youth in general, they're just getting after it. And, uh, you know, they're not coming from a, oh, I'm just going to like tour through the woods. And now, you know, now I'm going to, you know, slowly move up the ladder to where now I'm, you know, skiing big Alpine peaks. It's like, no, they're coming. They're, they're coming to college here at MSU or they're in high school at, you know, Bozeman high and they are expert skiers, incredibly fit. They've got days under their belt already and they're willing to go for it, you know, and that's where, especially like up, up at Big Sky, Bridger, if you grew up at those areas, you will naturally start to gravitate towards the boundaries. And, you know, where maybe a Big Sky, you're skiing the Great One, you're going off the North Summit Snowfields, you're at Bridger, you're going to Saddle Peak, you're, you know, and, and those, you know, those are big, both those areas have got big, real terrain there. Um, and that's a way you can kind of cut your teeth on this because you don't need specialty gear, you can just slide right back to the lift. But that's also a double-edged sword because... Because it's easy, it means it's also easy to put yourself into a situation that might not be the best. Uh-huh. A lot of scariest out west, big scariest have it, like Jackson's got it. I mean, you know, but that's also, I mean, fatalities happen in this, you know, in the backcountry right near the scary boundaries from people that have slid out of bounds. I mean, that is not uncommon. We've had it here. So we do see in the spring, certainly there's a much more traffic on some of the bigger lines, you know, once things so-called set up, you know, once some of these weak layers have been all bonded, you know, we're, we're getting into a freeze-thaw cycle, you know, for sure. That's when that's typically a time when some big, serious lines get skied. That's not to say they don't get skied in the winter, but it's just not done at quite the pace that can happen in the, in the spring. They don't sell Avalungs anymore. So the Avalanche airbag packs are kind of the the thing uh, for anyone who's skiing big lines. I mean, you got to have a helmet. You got to throw that in there too, just because that that's serious. So, yeah, people people die from trauma all the time, and head trauma is not good. Airbag packs are pretty amazing. Airbag packs work um, because they work in a few different ways. One is um, they protect you um, as you're as you're going down. A lot of them even have a you know where they expand over your shoulders, kind of protect your head a little bit. But even if yours doesn't do that, what they do is once you're A, when the avalanche slows to a stop, there's a good chance a piece of your avalanche airbag is going to be sticking out of the snow. So people know where you are. And even if you're completely buried with an airbag pack on, chances are you're going to be closer to the surface. And so living is all about A, not being traumatized or being dug out fast, like within 10 minutes. And the only way that's happening is if, you know, if, if the search times get cut down drastically. And so having a piece of the airbag sticking out of the snow means they don't even need to do a beacon search. They can just ski right up to you with a shovel and start getting to you. Or if you're buried shallowly, you know, they can just get you out really fast. So those are the, those are the reasons to carry those things. Now, 
there is a, a myth out there. Um, people that are skiing solo believe, well, I've got a, a, an airbag pack and so I'll be okay because it's going to float me to the top. And that's not how it works. You know, chances are if you get buried, you'll either maybe the airbag will be towards the top, hopefully visible, but you're going to be face down in the snow. There's no like you're just popped up on top like a life jacket. I mean, this thing is you are in your face is in the snow. And as soon as your face is in the snow and you can't make an airway, you know, the clock is ticking. And if you don't have a partner, it's just going to be a, you know, what can I say? It's just going to, it's going to be ugly. So a partner is still key with those, but the technology on the airbag packs is pretty amazing. Uh, they're getting lighter the cost is slowly coming down, but they're still pretty expensive, but you know, it's all relative, right? I mean, what's expensive? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably cheaper than most people's deductible. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's worth getting it. <laughs> so there's four of us that work here at the Avalanche Center and uh, pretty much every day of the week, at least one of us is out um, with a partner. We're always with a partner. Where we go is where people go. We're not just wandering off in the middle of nowhere and digging snow pits where no one is ever going to go. Like if, you know, we're going to the big spots where people spend their time, which is, you know, up in the Bridgers, Beehive, Highlight, you know, down by Cook City, West Yellowstone, Taylor Fork, you know, it's like we're there because that's where we want to get the data from because that's where people are going. Uh, so we will tour in and dig our holes and make our videos in those areas. Now, the decision as to where do we go in the morning is you're, I have to say, a lot of mornings, you're not entirely sure until that morning because things change overnight. Um, you might be thinking, hey, I'm going to let's go to the Northern Bridgers. And then that night, someone writes in and says, oh, I just triggered a slide down by Beehive. You're like, oh, we're going there. We're going to go check that out. Because where people are triggering avalanches, obviously, is where the snow is pretty unstable. And there's nothing like looking at an avalanche to learn about what happened, because it takes all the guesswork out of it. You're not wondering if the weak layer is weak enough. Like it, the avalanche told us that it's pretty bad. Um, so we will always uh, try and get to avalanches whenever we can. And we also go where the danger is the worst, typically, because we're trying to track it. If things are pretty stable in the Bridgers, but down around Lionhead with Shellowstone, it's maybe a considerable danger. They just got new snow and wind. You know, we might have to do multiple trips a week down towards West Yellowstone to keep track of that so we can either bump it up to a warning or be like, okay, it seems like it's getting more stable. It's behaving itself. It's getting stronger. We can start dropping the danger, you know, if we don't get snow in the next couple of days. So you're just you're just trying to stay on the most dynamic part of the area, wherever that is. And we put a lot of windshield time in because there's, there's, it's a big area we got here. Mm-hmm. Every area I go to, I've just got some faves, you know, um, you know, I love some of these areas down for, um, where I can snowmobile and then ski in, you know, like around the Taylor Fork area down in the Southern uh, Madison range. Cook City is always a, a gem when you get to go there, uh, just because it's Cook City. It's just it's it's like a little a little piece of Alaska. It feels like you know right here in in Montana. Um, so it's you know big peaks, a lot happening, um, real dynamic snowpack. They get a ton of snow. That's always a you know I like we all like going there. Yeah, and then any time we get to go, you know I think what what makes it isn't so much 
the spot is what are the conditions? So I'm, I always love going somewhere where maybe I haven't been because someone triggered a slide. So I get to go somewhere slightly new or look at, out, look at an old area with a new set of eyes, you know, because something really unique just happened there. Uh, and then kind of geeking out in the snow pit a little bit and kind of looking at that. Like I just I totally get off on that. I really like that. It's just kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> We work for the U.S. Forest Service. This is we are paid by tax dollars, um, also with private dollars through our, our friends group. But we are a government agency, and use us like this is. This is we're proud of this service. And go to mtavalanche.com. Get get our advisories. Get the weather forecast there. Start doing your homework. It's public service. And send us information. If you see anything weird, give us a send, drop us a line, fill out an observation form. We're always interested. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to talk to everyone. It was, and it was, you know, great chatting about it all. Visit mtavalanche.com for more information and come back to the last best ski to get the scoop on skiing Southwest Montana. Happy trails. <laughs>